the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In November of 2020, the Democrats were up to no good. They were planning to pull off the greatest scheme of election fraud never before seen. They didn't think we would catch them, but we did. Find out what they did and how they did it in the new documentary film called 2000 Mules, directed and narrated by renowned filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza and executive produced by Salem Media Group, with research from truthevote.org. 2,000 Mules tells the story of the ones who tried to hijack a presidential election. You'll see the actual video surveillance tapes. You'll see how we tracked their cell phones to box after box as they got paid to carry out this illegal scheme. Watch the movie and decide for yourself. Attend a limited release premiere of 2,000 Mules on May 2nd or May 4th. Check your local listings and get your tickets today at 2000mules.com. That's the number 2000mules.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining along. This is the show where we do our best every single episode, three times a week, to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And culture is changing all of the time. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that is watching or listening. Culture is changing. It's shifting. Things are happening. Uh, this week, even, things have happened every single day that are major shifts in culture, certainly in the media and in the media landscape, and, and that impacts our culture. Lots happening all of the time, and the question is, how do we navigate that as people who seek to do the best we can personally, as people who love liberty and freedom and individuality, and we want to pursue our God-given goals and purposes as those who have families that we want to care for, children that we want to create uh, or maintain a country that they would be proud to live in, How do we navigate all of this? It's very challenging, and I'm grateful to have a guest on today who spends her time thinking about all of these issues. Great to have on today, Sydney Watson. If you don't know Sydney, you need to. Sydney is the star of (laughs) the aptly named Sydney Watson YouTube channel. Uh, I laugh because she always calls it the creatively named Sydney Watson YouTube channel. Uh, Incredible content there. She is a political commentator and journalist. Very grateful to have her with us. Sydney, thank you for joining us. And as we jump into our conversation today, uh, a lot of very kind of specific cultural issues that I'd like to talk about, tyranny issues I'd like to talk about. But before we jump into that, uh, tell us about yourself and how you got into this world of journalism. Well, thank you for having me for starters. Um, This is really exciting for me and I'm glad we got to connect. Um, As far as me getting involved in this world, it was a pretty uh, straightforward experience. I actually randomly just one day decided that I wanted to make a piece of content about Uh, gun laws because that's something that Mm. I care about a lot and given that Australia has some very strange uh, opinions towards guns and perceptions of guns I was tired of people trying to compare America and Australia as an apples to apples uh, thing because they're not I mean they're not even remotely related and so I made this video it went viral 
um, which was a very interesting experience given that it was my first piece of content. And sure, from there, sure. I kind of just got started in the space because I'd always been politically motivated and interested, but never had actually taken the time to participate in any real capacity. And then from there, I got picked up by, uh, I guess, our, our version, I suppose, of Fox News, uh, Sky News Australia. And I started commentating there. And then, yeah, just kept making content, kept making YouTube videos. What, uh, what caused you to move from Australia to the United States? Well, the short answer is I always say that Australia is a bit like a prison, um, <laughs> just, just because it's, it's actually quite challenging, at least in my view, to get ahead. Um, and so I'm someone, obviously, who cares a lot about the trajectory of uh, our countries. I care so much about the way that Australia is heading and the United States. And so I just was like, well, I can't really talk about politics in Australia because nobody cares. They're, be- they're very ambivalent mm. to it. So I was like, all right, well... Let me jump on a plane and and do the 15-hour trek to the United States. And then it sort of took off from there where I just felt like people here really, really care about freedom and they really care about preserving their freedom. And that was something I could get behind. We are watching things happen in Australia right now that I think from an outsider's perspective is is shocking. I I don't know another way to say it. Mm. But it also serves as a really good example of where the United States could end up if we don't make better decisions. Uh, I've been to Australia one time. I spent three weeks there in 2000. Mm -hmm. um, And it was a crazy experience for me. I I was serving in the Marine Corps. I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. Um, As part of our deployment, our training, we ended up in Australia. And I'll never forget kind of the the breath of fresh air that it was going from Japan Mm -hmm. to Australia. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Culturally, it's similar enough that it felt like being home. But just the kindness of the people, the feeling of freedom and just kind of the individuality. You can be who you want to be. You can do what you want to do. Uh, We trained with the Australian Army. That was awesome. I spent a week in Brisbane by myself, just kind of wandering around. Um, Just an incredible experience. And so now, you know, whatever it is, 20 years later, 22 years later, watching the things that are happening in Australia, it just, it's sad. It's shocking. It's puzzling. It's confusing. Can you talk about the journey, perhaps, of, you know, a country like Australia that I think for most of the world represents, you know, rugged individuality, you know, doing your own thing. And and now we're here. Why are we here? Yeah. Um, well, firstly, thank you for pronouncing Brisbane correctly, because, the, <laughs> the amount, you know, one of my favorite things to do with Americans is to say, hey, pronounce this Australian uh, city name. Right, right. And they're always like, Brisbane? And I'm like, no. Yeah, right. right. Or Canberra, where they're like, Canberra. And I'm like, yeah, right. yes, so close, so close. Um, so close. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I mean, and I know that this is not necessarily what we're talking about, but given that you are in the Marine Corps and that uh, you, you trained a little bit with Aussies, I always hear from people that Australians are some of Australian soldiers are some of the like most you know badass crazy people yeah they're awesome yeah yeah they're awesome that's really nice training with them was incredible so it is a crazy story just since we're on it we were on a uh it's an LHD it had helicopters we were swapping so we were on some of the Australian helicopters and they were on ours and this I think it was 12 Australian soldiers were on one of our helicopters it lifted off the uh the ship and landed in the water. Uh. That's not the plan, right? So this was their first experience with the American military. And uh, they were 
they got pulled out. They were all fine. And all they said was, yeah, we're not doing that again. And they just went on. Like, it didn't even shake them up. And that was my whole experience with the Australian Army. We trained for several weeks. And, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, Aussies, are, they're a different breed. And, you know, it's, it's... Different breed. This is what's been so sad, though, watching what's going on back home, is that, again, because Aussies are really politically ambivalent, they don't... Often, like, the majority of them don't actually know who's in power. They they don't care, even though you have to vote. Uh, you get fined if you don't in Australia. Uh, the majority wow. of them just do not care whatsoever about politics. And so I think over the last two years, it's been really strange for me to observe how many of them have kind of bended a knee because that doesn't really seem to me, at least, to be the prevailing way the Australians are. Of course, I think in part, they do sort of serve daddy government in the sense that they would pick security over freedom. And I think mm. that is an inbuilt way of behaving that's come from the Brits because the Brits are a lot like that. Uh, yeah. And I think that we're much closer related and much closer in our behavior to the British than to Americans, say. Um, but still, by and large, like actual true Aussies that are out in the bush that have their farms and, you know, ride their dirt bikes and, and yeah, do right. normal things, they're normal people who just want to mm. be left alone. So... I think that's why at least the protests in Australia were so large, because I'm assuming that they were made up of those true blue kind of Aussie people. Uh, and then everybody in the city, like here in the US, are just buttheads, just total buttheads yeah. that make decisions for everybody else. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's funny because even now looking back, uh, I don't really know what to make of a lot of this. And I started off quite hardlined about it because I was like, yeah given that I'm an Australian, I left in part because I couldn't stand the mentality of the city that I came from, which is sort of, I guess, the equivalent of, of California or LA. Um, it's got that mm. vibe of like, oh, we love we love being told what to do. Oh, please tell us what right, to do. Sure, oh, please sure. tax us into oblivion. Um, and I <laughs> right. hated it. I was like, God, this sucks. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I left because I couldn't stand the leftism that I came from. But I don't necessarily know anymore if that's representative of all Australians. It's just such a weird country, I have to tell you. So two issues that, you know, here we've been talking about, why is this happening? One of the issues, and you mentioned this off the top, is gun control. Mm -hmm. um, I am of the opinion, well, first of all, I agree with you that comparing the United States to any other country, just in, in, in terms of scope and our... Um, <laughs> our love affair with uh, with firearms and those kind of things. Yeah. It's just a different thing. Like, you can't compare the two. But I really believe, and this is something we were talking about here yesterday, that gun control, having gun control is not what allows this to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's getting to the point where you would allow the government to take your guns away that allows this to happen. Uh, is there a connection between, you know, the level of gun control, and I'm not even sure exactly what it is. I know they didn't take away all of the guns, but I know that was a big part of it. Is there a connection between that and what we've seen happen? I guess the big question is this. Here in the United States, we talk about the Second Amendment a lot, and often we say we hang on to our guns so the government can't, you know, do those things to us. Right, so we can prevent you. tyranny. Mm -hmm. is, is that a reality, and, and has that happened in Australia, or are the two not connected at all? That is actually a really fantastic question. I think... I think overall, the the relationship to firearms in Australia is different. So I would assume that even if we had access to them in the same capacity right. that Americans do, I don't see Australians taking up arms against the government. I just don't. I just don't think they're wired that way. Again, I think that there's a lot of this sort of like inbuilt... I don't, know the, I don't know the correct terminology, perhaps a trust in the government so that when the government does things that do not align with the public's perception, they give a lot right. more benefit of the doubt. 
Something that a lot of uh, Americans particularly and leftist Americans don't understand is that your average Australian has never seen, held or fired a firearm. They just haven't. Wow. And, and so when they come into yeah. contact with them, they're kind of shocked and they're like, what is this thing? Uh, but even so, like, you know, since day dot, Australia was not founded because there was a war. There was no war for independence. It was settled. Sure. And the majority of people who came to Australia were settled. They were not convicts. So it's not like they were these lawless people that were running around trying to yeah, decapitate right. everybody. Um, right, you know, right. Much as that would be actually a lot cooler <laughs> than what really happened. <laughs> That'd um, be a great story. It's just not reality. Yeah, exactly. No, that would be that would be way neater. And I wish my family was like that. We came over on a boat. How boring. How utterly boring. <laughs> I guess everyone did, didn't they, really? Anyway, so, yeah, the, the Aussie sentiment towards firearms is totally different. But also, there's not as many in circulation. We have never used them for self-defense purposes. In fact, it's clearly stated... Mm in our legislation in the country, in the laws, that you cannot use firearms for self-defense purposes. A couple of years ago, when I got my fire, my firearms license, I had to go through the process and you have to do all this training and this, that, and the other. And you have to give them a uh, reason, like a good reason, a legitimate reason for mm. wanting a firearm. Self-defense yeah. is not an accepted one of those reasons. Uh, and also fighting the government is not one either. So You're right, sure, sure. Yeah, so it's, it's for like hunting or, you know, clay pigeon shooting or, you know, whatever your interests are. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that there's any way to compare the two because I don't think that they have any similarities. Aussies are not going to right. rise up against the government with guns. I think that's just a fact. I, I'm always trying to look for um, the lessons learned, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for Americans, I think we look at that and go, and, and this comparison that's made all the time is if they had their guns, they would be able to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. But I'm not even sure that would happen in the United States. I mean, frankly... I know we talk about it and, you know, we're really big on that. I live in California, so it's not as big a deal. In Texas, you know, every Texan says they would they would go after whoever. I'm just not sure that's the case. <laughs> and, right. and I'd like to believe it is. I think there are pockets of people that would. But by and large, I think once that decision's made, it's already been made. Well, here's the question. Do you think your average American could run up a hill with a gun and then shoot at someone? Because I, I, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think your average gun owner could do that. I, I, I. I train all the time. I shoot all the time. Uh -huh. And if you don't, you may own a gun. You're probably going to hurt yourself. And I, I think even the the statistics on people who have had others break into their house and they were gun owners who didn't shoot somebody are pretty alarming. So yeah, I don't, I don't think the comparison is there. Yeah. Um, the other, so the other kind of issue is China and, and maybe you can speak to this. I believe that a lot of the reaction of Australia to COVID and lockdown policies is because of the influence of China. Um, is that a reality? And is that a perspective that, that we should look at? Well, yes. So, I, yes, I do think that China has a considerable impact on Australia. And I think that they have been uh, meddling in the things that Australian governments do for quite some time. I don't think that anybody would deny that. Uh, particularly, again, the state that I come from, good old Victoria. Uh, hmm. There, I mean, there's been speculation that the premier, who I guess is the equivalent of a governor, uh, that he has very, very deep ties with the, the CCP and that, you know, he's done things in the past that kind of indicate that his response to this pandemic is not simply because he is a sociopathic dictator dictatorial psychopath, <laughs> but also because right. he is feeding into, uh, you know, whatever the China response has been. It is, I guess, in some capacity trying to emulate that. Um, yeah, I mean, China has a massive impact on Australia. They, they, I don't, I, their, their proximity for one thing, I guess, right. would indicate that, yeah, they have their fingers in this pie because they can. Uh, and it's kind of funny because, um, 
you know how everyone's really concerned about, you know, uh, the, the Ukraine uh, Russia thing, how this is going to turn into yeah. World War Three. I've yeah. said since day dot that actually, if anything, I think China invading Taiwan would result in World War Three. And I think it's because ultimately they would end up bombing Australia and that would mm. sort of force everybody's hands. Uh, right. So, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, they, the, the short answer is yes. They have a massive impact yes. on Australia. And yes, that has totally informed the COVID response. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. When you look at all of that, here in the United States, what lessons can we learn? What are some things that Australia has done that set them up for what they're dealing with right now, whether it's the lockdowns or, you know, all of the things that have happened over the last year and a half? Uh, What are some things Americans need to see and learn from? Well, I think number one is that if you value security over freedom, there's a bit of a problem there because there's Right. There's no actual ever promise of true security from the government because right. at the end of the right. day, they don't they don't control every single variable that could possibly happen. And the other thing, too, it's sort of like a devil, you know, situation. If you're saying, well, you know, best to trust the government because ultimately they'll be the one to to back me and to protect me when things go wrong. It's just absurd. I mean, all government is is a bunch of people that are unchecked doing whatever they want unchecked. There's there's right. nobody who, who comes in and says, oh. Nope, bad on you. And even it's funny in the Australian context with the Australian government just, you know, going loopy and doing whatever the hell it wants, at least federally, uh, the Queen technically could fire them, but even she hasn't done anything like that. So our one sure. check and balance has kind of gone sure. out the window. Um, yeah. So I think what Americans need to first understand is, is that point, security over freedom, not a thing. Uh, but I That's think good. Americans are great with that anyway, because they do value freedom, at least even if it's in a small capacity, they still really, really value that, at, at least in you know, some sense. Um, I think the other thing too is Aussies are very trusting and I love that about them. It makes them so, it makes them so warm, but it also makes them butthead sometimes. And I say that Mm. with all the love in the world, uh, the (laughs) fact that they kind of just go, Oh, just one more lockdown. It'll be over. Oh, just one more shot and it'll be over. Oh, just one more booster and it'll be over. It's just absurd because we don't live in a world anymore where it's just one more and then it'll be done. I mean, you're dealing with again, dictatorial people who want to take as much power and control as they can. And Aussies for some reason just are so trusting that they don't realize that just one more will never apply. The government and these politicians and these leaders will take and take and take and take. And it's not until you, you actually crack it and you say, I've had enough. Absolutely not that they go, oh, crap, we've crossed the line. Let's back up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, how often does government or, or politicians or elites ever give you back your freedom? I mean, right. like hardly ever. I mean, Canada realized that, right. didn't they? When you uh, look at culture, you talk a lot about culture and 
you know, a lot of things that are happening culturally in the United States scare me much more than what's happening politically in the United States. And I, I really personally believe that politics will follow culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that are happening in our culture right now that scare you, that concern you, that we've got to stop or we're going to end up in the wrong spot? Uh, everything? Um, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everything. Well, there are some good things happening, but but more bad, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that's, that's okay. The, the trans kid stuff uh, really freaks yeah. me out. Uh, and I kind of come to the realization that, and this might sound completely loopy and your audience might be like, this girl is insane. Um, but I've, well, we'll just say you're from Australia, so it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Just be like, she's from the bottom of the planet and they have, you know, they're, they're loopy anyway. No, I'm actually kind of, I'm concerned about this because I feel like this is a bizarre way of sterilizing people. I know mm. that sounds so crazy, but if you think about it, there's this like very aggressive push for kids to be yeah. on things like puberty blockers until they can determine what sex they are uh, yeah, right, and things right. like that. And the reality is that puberty blockers, uh, there's never been a longitudinal study looking at the effects of them on young people for this purpose. I mean, and, and you know, for people who don't know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's uh, listening to this. Puberty blockers were never actually used for this purpose. The drug, uh, one of one of them is called Lupron, for example, has never been used for this purpose. So we have no bloody idea what this does to people in the long run. And the fact that they're so flippant about it and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, just just give them the drug. It's fine. It's got to be fine. Yeah. You're sterilizing yeah. kids. You're sterilizing them. And right. that re- this really worries me because I think, how is it that we're being so cavalier about taking away a child's opportunity to potentially in the future uh, have offspring or even just, you know, why are we so fine with mutilating them? I don't know. It's really right. weird. I don't have kids yet. And I'm hoping to in, yeah. in the next couple of <laughs> years, just like produce some tiny Sydney's. And so sure. I'm looking at this as like a future mum, I hope, uh, is like horrifying. I'm like, what are we doing yeah. and why are we doing yeah. this? That's a big yeah. one. Yeah, I do have kids and it is horrifying. Um, I'll tell you, so my two oldest are in their 20s. My youngest two are 14 and 12. And I'm not concerned for them. I've had the ability to really protect them. We homeschool. I mean, we keep them away from a lot of these things, mm-hmm. but I'm very concerned about my grandkids and, and a generation coming up Seriously. behind all of this. One of the things that really concerns me about that in particular um, is not an evil perspective on sexuality. I think we could go back, you know, thousands of years and see, see that that's always been present. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the mainstreaming of it. Yes. And it's the fact that major corporations uh, like Disney and many others are defending it as though it's a good thing. And it's it's so puzzling. I, I mean, I don't know if I would go as far as to say the goal is sterilization. Certainly that's a consequence. Yeah. But I think there are other goals. Um, why, are, why are companies defending these policies? Well, I think it's, it's sort of jumping on the work train, right? I mean, I, I've mm. thought about this a lot because I always think to myself, do you remember the Gillette ad uh, that came out a couple of years ago? Were they, and excuse my language, but they effectively all over their primary demographic. They were like, oh, yeah. men are toxic and horrible. And oh, boys, yeah, people, right, like, ah, right. don't say that. And right, then I watched right. this and I was like, are you guys on crack? Like, what? Like, why? How yeah. is this a good marketing move? How is this a good move at all? And then I think yeah. over the years, I've thought about this quite a lot because you often see many companies participating in the workification, I suppose, of, of you know, their own brands to the detriment of their own brands. I mean, say Nike, 
th this is a good example of where it worked. They they partnered with Kaepernick, who is you know beloved by uh, you know Black Americans, and it did very well yeah. for them. I mean, they sold a crap ton of sneakers. Whereas sure. Gillette, I'm pretty sure took a massive massive dive uh, with the Gillette brand because they, like I yeah. said, they just they just went that we don't care. We ha actually hate you. All of you go away. So I think it's because we're at a point where the leftism or at least the leftist values take priority over making money. And that's a really strange place to be because I don't think the right operates like that. And that's potentially, right. I think, in some capacity why we're losing because, of, because you know, the rich people on the right wing are like, I want something out of this situation, even though, you know, they may have enough expendable income where they, they could just put money towards a project and go, cool, I, I'm okay with not getting anything back. I just want to fund the project. Whereas I think lefties are a lot better at doing this. They're like, well, yeah. I don't necessarily need anything back, but I want to, I want to push this idea. So as far as Disney and whatnot, I think that it ultimately is about just setting a narrative and setting an agenda at the expense of making money. I mean, aren't they closing down Disney Channel as well? Isn't that getting nixed as, at some point? I don't know about the Disney Channel. I know I read uh, this week that they've lost 3 million subscribers to Disney Plus. Yeah. And their stock, as a former uh, owner of Disney stock, mm -hmm. former as in like last week, yeah. um, I lost a lot of money on my Disney stock I and imagine. I sold it off to get rid of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there is a real... Um, profit consequence to what some of these companies are doing. Mm -hmm. You look at CNN. Today, it was reported that CNN Plus, which they invested billions of dollars in standing up, CNN Plus was closed down oh. today. Um, Netflix lost, I think, 30% yeah, or, or something. Yeah, 200,000 subscribers. So there is a real profit consequence. And I think one of the things, maybe it's naive, but that gives me hope is that we have to go through a really painful season with these companies and with the woke policies and the rest of it. But that eventually <laughs> uh, Americans will say, yeah, we're not going to support that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I hope that's the reality. I hope that the reality of that will push some of these companies to make better decisions. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I 100% agree with that. Uh, but I mean, realistically, I put this back to you. Do you think that it will? Because if they're willing to lose money, on their ideas or on pushing stupid narratives and things that actually don't align with their audiences or their primary demographics. I guess my question back is if they've already demonstrated that their primary audiences don't really matter to them, then what incentive do they right. have to abandon the crazy ideology? Yeah, I don't know that they have an incentive. I'm hopeful that what they'll do is a, <laughs> what I would hope they would do is, is just step it back and say, we're a company, we produce a product, we want to sell our product to whoever will buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some companies will do that. Hopefully, hopefully what's happening to Disney, uh, you know, the state of Florida last night <laughs> over like three days decided they would take away the tax exempt status from Disney yeah. and bring them into the municipality of Orlando. That's a huge deal. It's like $200 million a year lost to Disneyland or Disney World. Um, so what I hope will happen is that smaller companies that are trying to get on the woke train will look at that and go, we're not Disney. Mm -hmm. We're not Nike. We're not these companies. We don't have the margins to make that happen. And so right. we need to sell a product and keep our mouth shut. I'm hopeful that's what will happen. Um, and on the other hand, I just hope that they will lose their influence with people like us. Yeah. That people like us will stop just giving them a pass because they're Disney or because they're Netflix or whatever. Um, I mean, I had to sit my kids down this last week and go, look, we love Disney. We like Disney Plus because of you know, these great shows that are on there and there's some great shows on there. 
They're an incredible entertainment company, obviously, mm-hmm. but we're not going to support what they're doing because what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. And you know, my hope is that many, many other families have done the same thing and they'll lose their influence. So yeah. um, I think there are other ways, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, even I was watching, uh, this is, <clears throat> I actually really, really like uh, cartoons. It's so bad. It's like, I can't outgrow this stuff. I don't know why. But I was watching Hercules <laughs> the other night, the old school Hercules. Because sure. uh, sure. I just love the songs and, and whatever. And I was thinking to myself, I really miss these days. Because uh, some of the jokes in it, uh, watching it back, I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, and they were yeah. funny. Uh, but there was none of this like wokey, you know, just ridiculous nonsense in it. And it was so enjoyable. And it, I mean, this is, I don't know how related this is necessarily to Disney. But even I was thinking about this uh, in terms of video games. Because I, I, I love games. I do it just, you know, so working in this space, you can probably relate to this. It's so I don't murder. Uh, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm hacking people up in the game, I feel a lot better. Um, but, you know, there's two games that I love in in my, you know, RPG kind of world. And that's Horizon, which is uh, like you kill machines. And then this other game called God of War, which is predicated on uh, Greek mythology and now Norse mythology. And I was telling another gamer friend of mine the other day that it really annoyed me how, and it, it annoys me as a general rule, how even in video games, this wokeism is inserting itself. And I guess they yeah. do it because they want you to be mad and they want you to talk about it. But sure, in the sure. new God of War, for example, which is coming out at the end of this year, it's called Ragnarok. And it's again, it's about Norse mythology where we're dealing with Norse, um, Norse gods. They made one of the Norse gods black, which again... I, if you want to make, I just don't understand why this sort of thing happens when I, because I don't care. Like if you're an original character, black, white, Asian, I don't, I don't care. But this person in mythology is described as blonde and blue haired. Why is she randomly? Why are we changing her race? Mm. Why are we changing people's sex? It's the same thing with with the, the new Thor thing. It just drives me crazy because I think what, this is so unnecessary. It's just pandering. We have, um, so there's the gender thing. That's a huge issue. Uh, the, the transgender movement is, is huge. I did a show on this a couple weeks ago. Um, just from so many perspectives, it's it's destructive. Yeah. Um, but then we talk about critical race theory and so many of these other issues. Um, you know, liberties being taken away. What can Americans do? This is kind of what I try to boil everything down to. What are some practical things that real Americans who don't live in Texas can do to uh, try to you know either stave that off or push it back or help to turn the ship around? I mean. We're in a difficult spot. Mm-hmm. I'm very hopeful. We're Americans. Uh, we've had you know difficult times in the past, but what do we need to do right now to get back on track? Um, well, I always say to at least my audience that if they really care and they really want to get involved, the one thing that you can do and the most important thing you can do is get involved at a local level. Uh, I think yeah. that there's a lot to be said for, you know, going and harassing the school that your kids go to if they are teaching yeah. psycho things and making sure that a bunch of other parents get in on that with you and give them hell, basically. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, squeaky, what is, what's the thing? Squeaky hinge gets the, the oil? The squeaky wheel. Yeah, there you go. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> yeah, you know, you kick the you kick the can uh, enough times, someone's going to go, can you shut up? And then, uh, and then you right, can, you know, right. orchestrate some change. I have a lot of respect right. for parents who do those sort of things. Uh, I also think getting involved with um, your local school board or, you know, running for some local office is a really great way as well. But in terms of, you know, people who don't want to do any of that stuff, because there's a lot of people who don't want to be politicians, and I completely respect that. Uh, boycotting people that don't represent your values. My friends think I'm insane, because if I go into even a restaurant, 
and everyone's masked up or doing social distancing, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to support tyranny. I'm not going to give you my money. And I just leave right. because I, I just I right. feel really strongly about that. And I right. hope that other people who also feel strongly about that would take those sort of measures because if enough people don't go into your restaurant because of your inane policies, you probably will think about changing those inane policies. Yes. I think that yeah. there's just not enough aggressive pushback from conservatives because I think conservatives a lot of the time want to take the high road and that's very noble. And I, and I, and I cannot, I cannot criticize that mentality, but I don't think it's working presently because I don't think we're operating in an ordinary set of circumstances. We're kind of in, mm you know, like a kind of wartime culturally. So I, I just think, you know, constantly trying to be passive or, or trying to be a pacifist, not helpful. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy yeah. on that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's a widely shared opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I, I, I honestly believe that um, when people in mass make the pain <laughs> of submitting greater than the pain of liberty and freedom, then things will change. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like there's been an awakening for conservatives over the last year and a half or whatever? I, I mean, I know even for me, and I've been involved in, you know, kind of this world for a long time. Um, I'm very conservative. I grew up very conservative. I love America. I served our country. But even me, I just kind of went, well, the government's not that bad. They're going to be fine. And then COVID hit and things changed. And you can't, you can't make that claim anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's been an awakening generally? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Biden has red pilled a lot of people. Um, sure. Right. What right. I'm noticing, and, and I would be interested to hear your take on this too. What I'm noticing is that a lot of people who are center left-ish are kind of waking up and going, wait a minute, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't jive. Uh, and they're sort of maneuvering and moving sort of closer to maybe yeah. the center or maybe to the right wing. Um, and I'm even seeing that with my leftist friends who have, you know, been like mm. died in the wool, uh, you know, not commies necessarily, but kind of on that level. People I love, but just cannot talk to you politically. I've even gone, yeah, wait right. a minute, Sydney, wait <laughs> right. a minute. Maybe you're not a loony after all. Uh, but mm. something I've noticed, and again, I, w- I would be interested to hear your take on this, is that people who were right wing have gone very far to the right. And that's sure. been a really, really weird shift for even me to observe because there are people that are getting so angry with what's going on and right. so enraged right. that I think they're kind of falling off the edge of the cliff. And right. I'm not discrediting their anger. I feel it. I'm sure you feel it. I'm sure the people that you work with feel it. And, you know, our, all of our loved ones do too. But I'm also like, I don't know how helpful this is. And so that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm noticing, yes, there is a definite shift. And I think people are waking yeah. up and they're having their eyes opened, even if it's slow sometimes. And then there's people who are just like going way to the edge of the cliff and falling right right off. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think more than leftists that scream all of the time, I'm more bothered by people on the right who scream all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media for large uh, right-wing pundits it, it drives me insane because there is no moderation. There's no clarity. No. No there are no facts. Yep. It, it's the same. St- we're talking about a bill that is uh, probably going to be passed here in California. And it's horrible. But the way that it's being positioned by people on the right is not what it is. Well, it's really hard to fight against something if you're also lying about it, just like people on the left lie about it. And so I, I agree. I think there needs to be a little bit of moderation, not uh, not softening, but just just clarity and honesty, and and maybe we've lost we've lost some of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, but agreed. People on the left, I think, are looking, going. There's got to be a better way, mm-hmm. and and hopefully we're seeing a change there. Yeah. 
I think we are. I think that that's that's very true. And I mean, it's it's kind of hard not to though because if you think about it, uh, even even again, it, there's a one of my good girlfriends. She's she's super cute. She used to be very left wing, uh, and then kind of was like, wait a minute, uh, and yeah. then has started this progression over to the right. And she posted something the other day, and I messaged her, and I was like, you're fully right wing now, aren't you? And she was like, yeah, 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 it's <laughs> happened. I'm like,、mm, okay. Welcome, welcome、yeah. to the club. We, welcome, welcome to the other side. <laughs> yeah, we're a lot nicer、um, and everyone's more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very bold statement, although I think it's probably true. Well,、um, we, we wash, you see, and cut our hair typically. <laughs> and we're not living in a basement in the dark. Exactly. I think that helps too when you get out in front of other people. Yeah, we don't consume、um, the souls of babies,、uh, as it as it were. <laughs> As it were, and as it is, and that's a huge man. That's another whole topic we could spend a long time on.、Um, what is going to happen? Midterms are quickly coming upon us. I know you probably. Well, I don't know this, but I believe you probably don't have a crystal ball. But I'm sure you have some opinions. What's going to happen, and are we going to be better off on the other side? Okay, you have to understand first and foremost that I am a pessimist. So, um, and I and I and I freely admit this. I don't. I just am a pessimist. I respect that. Yeah. I I I,、uh, I look at everything and I go, this is not going to work out. I'm hopeful though. This is really the first time that in a long time that I'm really hopeful that、mm. uh, you know this year might actually turn things around. Even I was just talking with a girlfriend、yeah. of mine because we might go troll Beto because he's having a, an event here actually today. <laughs> um, and I was saying to her like, yeah, like let's go because I don't want him to win here in Texas. I would、yeah. be mortified.、Yeah. And he got so close when in, in his race with Ted Cruz that was such a slim margin that is horrifying、yeah. to me to think that you know any bloody leftist might control this state. But I. Will say that I feel like the right wing is is angry, and I feel like a lot of people, even on the left, like we were just saying,、yeah. are angry. And so I do have hope that people will actually turn up and vote at least in in、uh, the midterms. And don't get me wrong, I think politicians are buttheads across the board, even if they're left or right. And I think that a lot of、sure. them are full of hot air. But at least if people are invigorated to get involved and to actually start caring. Even just for the purposes of oh, who should I vote for? It might find them, you know, stumbling upon other information that informs other views that they have, and that might inform, you know, their behavior out in the world. So I, I,、yeah. I actually am really hopeful that this year will turn some things around. But that being said, we still have Biden in office, and he's a potato head, and I'm not super sure that he's going to live much longer. If I'm being completely honest,、mm. and、uh, Kamala would be a train wreck. So there's that. Sure. Well, you just took、uh, pessimism, turned it into optimism, and then brought us right back to pessimism. So, so good job on that. That was a really good segue and a good turn.、Um, man, so many other things、uh, we could talk about for sure. But、uh, where can people follow you? Follow your show?、Um, where would you like to point people to? Probably the best place is my creatively named channel on YouTube,、uh, Sydney Watson, where I. Make deep dive content, I suppose.、Uh, if you want to see me, you know, attack people on Twitter, that's always fun. I, I try to be my pessimistic <laughs> self over there,、uh, and on Instagram, if you want to see all the hilarious memes, I I just figure like people can just like search Sydney Watson. I feel like I'm the first、sure. one that pops up, but otherwise, if you can't find it, then you must not be looking hard enough. You're not trying hard <laughs> enough. Awesome. Well, Sydney Watson, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And、uh, man, hopefully we can have you back on.、It'd、be great. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been fun. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking. A lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get you know prescription medications to help 
with PTSD, you know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Thank you, Sydney, for joining us. What a great conversation and uh, just some uh, incredible perspectives. Uh, it's always uh, interesting, enlightening to talk to someone who comes from a different background than we do in the United States and, and just kind of a better perspective on what's happening globally and some of the things that we're doing here in the United States and the impact that they will have if we're not careful and if we don't work to turn these things around. And uh, so appreciate uh, Sydney's perspective on all of those things. Please check out her YouTube channel, search for her name, follow her on social media. You'll be thankful that you did. If you are not yet subscribed to this show, make sure that you subscribe right now. You're listening somewhere. You're listening on a podcast platform of your choice. The great thing about that is you can stay there, but you can also subscribe. So subscribe. That lets you know when new episodes come out three times a week. We are pushing great content to you with incredible guests like Sydney and want to make sure you don't miss one. If you'd like to watch the video, and we do record video, some of you watch that, many of you just listen, that's fine. But if you'd like to watch the video, go over to SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. We are blessed to be on the Salem Podcast Network and on the Salem Video Network as well. And that is SalemNow.com. Check that out. That would be fantastic. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.